everyone, and welcome to episode 422 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Red Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. We've coordinated our power outages so that we can record a podcast <laughs> yes. all together. We, we actually did it. Yeah, we've had so much power, uh, so many power Good. issues lately. Oh, Richard, I got to know. This is a little off topic. Is that love sack actually comfy? Like, you, you have one there. I know what it looks like. Yeah. How does it feel? Is all it right, do you right. enjoy we, sitting we, we'll in the love sack? We'll take a little rendezvous here to, to the love sack. Um, so it's a sponsored item. So it was sent for free. So I did not shell out a thousand bucks oh, for love okay. sack. I, I didn't know what it was. Apparently, love sack is actually a pretty premium brand. And they're like a real like sofa company. And you can see people talking about them. So they collab with Wizards. Uh, it's actually cheaper than a normal love sack because it comes with a set booster box for Phyrexia All's mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about beanbag chairs, but it's actually very comfortable. <laughs> and it's actually my most prized magic-related uh, <laughs> like item. Uh, and, and I thought when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of jank. It looked like it was weird, right? But like in, when I saw the pictures. But in real life, it's actually pretty sweet. And it's very comfortable. Is it a thousand dollars comfortable? I don't know. You need you need to go test out a love sack in a store, I guess, to see if you're willing to pay a thousand dollars. But it's it's really big, uh, it's really heavy, and it's very comfortable. Uh, and then you can make the the value proposition to, to see if uh, you're willing to spend that much on furniture, because people spend like anywhere from oh. fifty dollars on a chair to like five thousand dollars on a chair. So uh, that's up to you to decide if you want it. But it comes with free cards. I yeah, that's. Cool. That's Wait, a cool bonus. What? Yeah, yeah, free booster box. Free booster box with the love sack. Also, it made me feel better once I realized that was just like the normal price of a love yeah. sack, or maybe even like cheater, uh, cheaper than some of the love sacks. So I was like, when I heard a thousand dollars, not knowing what love sack was, I was like, oh my god, that's so expensive. But then after you actually read about love sacks, apparently, if you want a love sack, it's actually like a pretty fair deal based on their other uh, their other stuff. There were also love sacks. At uh, MagicCon Philly. I don't know. Did yep. you see the Love Sack booth, Krim? Did you go and like cuddle up in it and check the comfort level? <laughs> I did. I did. Richard, I am very jelly. Uh, that is that is a very nice uh, beanbag couch thing. Uh, it is extremely comfy. But I myself was also surprised. I was like, oh, well, what is this? Like, uh, what could it be? Like 50 bucks? A couple of hundred? <laughs> uh, no. It is, it is a lot more than that. It is a lot more than that, but I do, I do, I, it is very comfy. Well, you just heard right there. We have another co-host in Krim who appreciates the comfiness of love sacks. How are, how are you this morning, Grim? Uh, pretty good. Uh, it, it, it's weird. It feels like, uh, it's been forever since I've seen y'all because of like <laughs> leaving for Philly and like prepping like content, like weeks way before this podcast, all that stuff. So now it's like, it feels like it's been so long since I've seen y'all. And I, and I, and funny enough, Philly, I saw Seth one time. Yeah. For, for like a minute, like you, well, Wow. In, in uh, both of, Seth and Krim in, hate each other. <laughs> well, in I, both yeah, of yeah, yeah. I was playing a lot of Magic and, like, doing a lot of stuff. And Krim, you seemed super busy because you were doing, like, the game night stuff and had to do all that. So you had, like, a ton of stuff on your schedule. So we ran into each other once, but it was a, it was a pretty busy uh, couple of days. It was. Uh, and on top of that, one of them, I woke up at in classic Krim time schedule. Uh, I woke up at what is 1 p.m. here. <laughs> Uh, in sunny, rainy California. Wait, is that 4 that p.m.? Is, 
Yes, that is 4 p.m. <laughs> so uh, I just rolled on into the floor at 4 p.m. bedhead and everything. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing? <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, there, there was a day where I was partially absent. <laughs> Uh, anyway, today we got a bunch of a bunch of topics for the cast. We got some product announcements uh, of stuff that's coming out over the summer in the next few months. Some pricing, early pricing on that stuff. We got a bunch of dumpster diving news of all things, which is kind of hilarious. There's a ton of commander precons coming out. We got a little bit of battle news. We got a WPN secret layer drop. We got some alchemy news. So we're gonna be jumping around from topic to topic today. But before we get into it, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you're tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, Card Conduit lets you skip them. You don't gotta do all the typing and spend all the time and do all the work. With their curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you wanna do a little work on your end, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards ahead of time and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which option you choose, you're gonna get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed and right now you need to get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtgoldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thank you to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some magic and let's start with I guess the big news of the week, which is we got a couple of product announcements for sets that we, well, one of them we knew was coming, but we got more details about it. Another one, brand new, we didn't know was coming. Richard, what sets are coming out this summer in a few months? And uh, what do we know about them? All right, this is so gross. I'm going to throw it back to you, Seth, to make sure I don't misrepresent this. But we have Commander Masters, Lord of the Rings, uh, pre-cons, collector boosters, set boosters, and whatnot. The prices look very high to me, so I'm going to throw it to Seth to make sure I don't misrepresent. Oh, okay. Okay, so so the news that we got here, uh, the Lord of the Rings set, which is Lord of the Rings Tale of Middle-Earth, coming out on June 23rd, getting the full set treatment, modern legal, there's Jumpstart, uh, jumpstart packs, there's a pre-release, there's all the different kinds of boosters, there's, I believe, five Commander Precons with it, and this is early pricing, so these are pre-sale prices, but the early pricing on, uh, on this set so far is pretty high. Uh, draft and set boosters are going for like 170, 180 presale and collector Ooh. boosters, 385 for a collector booster box right now. And again, this is early presales. Although one thing I've noticed recently is the early presales on Amazon, a lot of times are actually cheaper than the set ends up being so uh they might be realistic long term the other news we got commander masters which is coming out early august and this is a a reprint master set like we've had many times in the past right now draft booster boxes 310 haven't seen the collector boosters yet but the uh, there's four commander precons coming along with the master set those are going for 310 dollars as well for the set of four of them so you're looking at what 70 dollars or something $75 a commander precon. Uh so first off, what do you guys think of these sets? We knew Lord of the Rings was coming and we might have some more news on that in a minute, some uh, some dumpster diving news. Uh what do you think of these sets and what do you think of these prices? Like are these prices going to scare people off even though people are going to be hyped for these sets? I mean So, so just to confirm these are Amazon prices, right? This is not like Yes. random rogue seller on eBay. Right, whatever, right? So you can pretty much guarantee that these are the floor prices. 
so either they'll go up before the product releases or they'll go on clearance like eight months after the fact, right? But yeah. like this is like actual like Amazon prices. So these prices are, are are pretty real. So these are not just like speculative prices, right? Even though the set's not out and no official word, there is no MSRP, right? So this is this is pretty much it. Yeah, th- this isn't like, oh, some random seller on TCG player has them listed super high or something. So yeah, this is the actual Amazon prices. A little bit jarring, uh, honestly, like Lord of the Rings, it seems like kind of like a Modern Horizons pricing, I guess would be the closest comparison, except collector booster boxes. I don't know if people like I don't know if vendors have inside info of like some special treatment or like really rare numbered cards or something that's making that price high. But that is really expensive for collector boosters, even compared to like Modern Horizons in the past. And then Commander Masters. I mean, I guess it's a master set, but even that feels high. I feel like the last few master sets boxes were like in the 200-ish range. So seeing 310 right off the bat and commander precons going like 70 or 80 for a single precon, it's kind of, the precons are almost uh, Warhammer level prices. And then the actual booster boxes, that's super expensive. I'm sure it's going to be stuff full of really good cards, but... I don't know, are are either of you buyers of sealed product at this price, or is this one of those, like, always buy singles arguments when you see these prices? Let someone else, you know, the whales, crack the boxes, searching for the, you know, super expensive cards, and you just pick up the singles that you need after the fact. I'm I'm definitely going to be buying the singles. I mean, it, it comes down to sealed product. Like, so I'm not going to say that my answer is final, because, I mean... I, I occasionally get drawn out into buying booster boxes, right? Because some of the sets are just so sweet. So yeah. right now it is largely pending on what's in the set because if you're charging these prices, I'm I'm expecting like some like really good cards and some wild wild uh like first off, solutions resolved solutions to the curling problem from the first Commander Legends because I would love to have a foil opposition agent, but it is so pringly. Like, Commander Legends cards are so pringly. Uh, so I hope they've somehow solved that. Um, lo- and for Lord of the Rings, well, I don't have to worry about that. Seth, I feel, I, I don't know how... I'm very curious, Seth. Are you excited for the Lord of the Rings set? I, I know you're asking the question. Are you excited about it? Okay. So, I mean, I'm not excited because there's a Lord of the Rings set, although uh-huh. there is one thing that makes me a little more excited, which is the Warhammer Commander stuff was really good. Like, okay. I care as little about Warhammer as I do about Lord of the Rings, which is I care zero about either of those IPs. They're just not something I'm into. And I really love the Warhammer decks. Like, I think they did a really good job. And even if someone who doesn't like or doesn't care about Warhammer... I really enjoyed those cards and I enjoyed those precons. So that gives me a little hope that even though I don't really care for Lord of the Rings, that the actual cards might be pretty sweet and the precons might be pretty good because I feel like they they managed to knock it out of the park with the Warhammer deck. So any chance then that you would like okay, we, with these these decks they come out, the set comes out, it's a banger. You build good memories with these cards. You think you'd like Lord of the Rings? 
No, no, it's not. It is not going to convince me to sit down and watch twelve hours worth of movies or whatever. That is, that is not happening. They cannot make a magic card so good it makes me sit through the movies. I mean, so we also got a little bit of early news about the actual cards in Commander Masters. Uh, Jeweled Lotus returning. That's like a hundred bucks for the cheapest printing. Ur Dragon going to be in the set. That's like seventy bucks. And then Capture of Zing Hao, which is an extra turn spell from Portal Three Kingdoms. It's never been reprinted. Did I did I butcher that really bad? Uh, two hundred dollars right now. Although the price, we always see it with these uh, Portal Three Kingdoms cards. They're mostly expensive because they're super scarce. So I expect this one the price to drop a ton once it comes out. But it seems like they're going to stuff a lot of good cards into this set, which still it's going to be a huge risk to crack a box. But hopefully it drops prices on some of these singles. Although, do we even want Jeweled Lotus to be cheaper? <laughs> Jeweled Lotus is one of those cards where I feel like it would be way more broken if everyone could put it in their decks. But it's kind of not a problem just because it's $100 and most people don't want to actually buy it. But. I mean, I feel like that's like wishful thinking that it's going to be cheaper. Ragavan is sti- not Ragavan. I mean, other 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 pirate. Uh, what 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 is his name? Dockside. Dockside oh, Dox- is still yeah. like expensive, right? And it got reprinted. So I assume that this will just be like a maybe a temporary dip in Jeweled Lotus. But personally, if Jeweled Lotus got cheaper, whatever. It's just another piece of fast mana. But. I don't know. I I that that that's a separate problem all around. However, if it gets cheaper, that's cool, but I I don't think it will. It'll be cheaper like kind of like on sale for a small window. Yeah, that's that's usually how it goes with popular cards. What do you think about all this, Richard? I have a question for you, Seth. So so yes. we we see the 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 booster price is $170, $300. As as an avid crack packer, Pack cracker, <laughs> Seth. Crack Would you packer? do this? Because I, I, I opened the the all is one set booster that, that came for free. Yeah. It felt really bad. Like I, I didn't know what half the cards were. Right, random cards from the list and like all these promo versions. Like what is worth anything? After all is said and done, I had three cards of any value from the set, and a pile of trash, which is like the wrappers. And a pile of trash cards, which is like basically every non-commander, non-mythic card, right? And like all the rares were like worthless. All of the the showcase uh, uncommons and rares were also worthless. The full art lands were worthless, apparently. <laughs> like they're not worth that much. So I, I felt I just spent a lot of effort and just got three cards. Luckily, I opened Atraxa. So uh, I almost made the box value. Not really, uh, but... It just felt really bad. And I, like, I would just buy singles and, and save the hassle. It's really high variance, and you need to like open that foil jewel lotus to make all your money. Otherwise, uh, you just end up with a bunch of stuff that you could have bought from Card Kingdom for like five bucks. <laughs> you, you could it could have came sorted. It could have came organized. You know what I mean? Like, everything's just kind of worthless. So I don't know. How do you feel about cracking packs in uh, in twenty twenty three? I felt felt kind of bad actually. It has gotten way more, way more gambly than it used to be, I think, because so much of the value is concentrated in like mythics and then also in special printings that are just pretty scarce. I've definitely opened collector booster boxes that are just duds. They're like 200 bucks and you get like 50 bucks worth of cards. Kind of what you were talking about. You get like that one good card and everything else is junk. You can run hot, but for me, it's kind of. 
it's kind of turned me off, especially looking at these prices. There's no way I like I can't conceive of cards that they could put into the Lord of the Rings set that would make me want to risk almost four hundred dollars to crack a uh, collector booster. And I love cracking boosters more than just about anyone. It's just it's just too much. Commander Masters, maybe we'll see what the set looks uh, <laughs> list looks like. But my expectation is it's going to be like most of the master sets we've had recently, which is really good expensive mythics and then mostly bulk-ish rares. So you're really like crossing your fingers and hoping you hit a few good mythics to pay for the box. But if that doesn't happen, you're going to lose so much value. So I, I'm getting to the point where the risk is getting too high for me and I really enjoy cracking booster packs. So I don't know. I think wizards might be going a little bit too far with these prices. I guess the other side of the coin is if they're putting like exclusive serialized cards in there and other like I can open a $20,000 card or $2,000 card in this set. There's going to be people that like take that risk. There's going to be people that do it. I just don't know if it's going to be me anymore. I've had too many bad experiences open these expensive products and just not getting my value back out of it. I think instead of buying boosters, I'm just going to drive to landfills and search for magic cards. That's going to be my new way of interacting with the hobby. Why is that, Seth? (laughs) Well, speaking of landfills, Richard, we somehow in this past like two days, we got two big pieces of... (laughs) landfill news related to magic the gathering first off modern horizons richard what happened with modern horizons 2 in a in a landfill this weekend all right we (laughs) we had a a reddit post (laughs) of a landfill a landfill full of six pallets of magic cards and they're not just like any magic cards they're like modern horizons 2 and uh that's that's a lot of money for like Six pallets of Modern Horizons two, uh, well, and, sealed. And the thing These is, are that's a lot of boosters. that's a lot of sealed. garbage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the problem is no nobody knows why they're in the dumpster. Uh, maybe someone thought the the pal- people effectively like the pallet was damaged or something, and then the distributor just throws them away and claims insurance, uh, or maybe. They're, they're covered in some space alien material and they're like, well, we got to get rid of this. It's haunted. I, I don't know, right? But people were brave enough to, to just literally go into the dump and start pulling these out. But that's not the only dumpster news, though. Yeah. <laughs> they also found a foil Lord of the Rings sheet uh, in the dumpster and it actually has cards and there are actually a, a, a few cards leaked. Uh, Aragorn, Frodo, and Gollum. Uh, so you can actually look at those. Uh, but yeah, I don't know why there's so much dumpster news this weekend <laughs> would yeah that is that is uh that is a new one would you take the modern horizons cards like how scared of you are from taking cards from a landfill like are you thinking oh like oh it's probably some weird you know shipment accident they whacked it with a forklift and rejected it or are you thinking oh my god this is probably covered with some toxic substance then i'm i'm gonna die it's, as i open these it's, bags. it's probably fine so okay <laughs> So if this was done legitimately, if it's covered in toxic substance, they, they would not dump it here, right? They would have to, you know, dispose of it correctly. But you never know, right? It could yeah. be an illegal dump. Uh, but right. it's probably fine. But, like, this is a real operation, right? Like, you can't just roll up there and try to take away six pallets of Modern Horizons, too. You need to... <laughs> like a ready <laughs> haul some or kind something. Yeah. Or you need enough capacity to take this away and... So I don't know, maybe when you're doing this, someone else comes and they're like, yo, I want some of this. And then you got to ballot out in a game of commander to see who gets dibs. I don't know, right? Like, it's, 
It's I weird. Just, I just, <laughs> I was just a, a, at MagicCon Philly hanging out with all the Magic community. I can just picture like all those Magic players just like running from a dump with arms full, like just packs like flying everywhere, running, <laughs> running out of the dump with their arms full of Modern Horizons too. Oh my! I would totally be there. I, I would. I would not think twice. I would be snaking okay, myself would you, some would you booster boxes. Take the packs back, or would you just crack them there and like <laughs> crack them? Throw, just, just throw leave all the, the garbage the dump. already yeah. there, and just like try to get that dock side and then leave. Actually, hmm. Actually, if there was no one else there, that would probably be the way to do it. If you didn't have any like pressure of other people trying to get in on it. Just sit there and like pull out the good cards and not have to deal with actually hauling around pallets. Like that's that's a lot of work. Six pallets is a lot of, <laughs> a lot of magic cards. Uh, also, what about you, Grim? Would you can you just walk into a landfill like this? So <laughs> is, this, is, exactly... is this in the United States or is this like another country? The rumor is it was in Dallas or close to Dallas. So it is in the United States. I don't know, like being in Dallas is weird to me, but the town I grew up in, some of these like little like rural towns, they'll just have like a dumping area where you can just like pull your pickup up and like dump your stuff off. So I don't heck? know. It, it made sense. <laughs> it made sense to me. Yeah. You can just like haul your own stuff to the dump I, I or whatever. You go to like so. a gated place. You got to pay money just to enter. <laughs> I'm, like, well, I'm like throwing away garbage. Why are you charging me? But okay. And it's like expensive. And you don't. Know, you don't get to literally just like run through the landfill like this. <laughs> this, this seems a little hazardous, but interesting. Yeah, so, this who is knows Dallas. What would be okay. in there. That that's yeah. the main thing, right? Like, is isn't it usually like you, it's like gated off? You you don't normally just get to walk in and just like like check the dumpsters out. <laughs> <laughs> would would you take the cards, Krim? Or no. would you be worried about the the dump aspect? <laughs> uh, the 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 dumping. First off, a like as mentioned, I mean like. I don't know what you're doing, why, how you're casually just like, like wandering around and like a, a dumpster to take the photos or whatever to capture this. <laughs> this, this, this kind of like weird to me. It's like, what are you doing there in the first place? Uh, second off, uh, like I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would, I would take it just because I've been hit by Ragavan and I don't know which Modern Horizons it is. <laughs> I don't, I want nothing to do with that product. Sorry. <laughs> uh, as far as the Lord of the Rings thing. Why would they just like throw these unknown cards into a dumpster? I've always wondered that. We've had like these dumpster dive leaks before where someone's like, oh, I found a sheet in the garbage. Wouldn't you think if you were the printing company and you were printing something that's not supposed to be public, you would have, I don't know, a shredder or like some way of disposing of cards that isn't just like, hey, here's a sheet of Lord of the Rings in our trash for people to find. I mean, or no, <laughs> but this happens a lot. Uh, so presumably, yeah. someone had a test sheet, and presumably they disposed of it incorrectly. Uh, I'm sure you can find other sensitive information, like maybe your passwords or your social security <laughs> numbers that companies just mishandle and just throw randomly all over the place. Uh, so not surprising, but it's it's surprising that it happens continually though right i feel like if someone does this to wizards wizards we like you're, you're, our contract is done right i'm moving somewhere else i'm gonna go to someplace that treats security seriously but this continues to happen year after year after year so i'm not sure if it's just the same places or just the whole industry is like this like nobody does anything. everyone just like mm -hmm. throws stuff in the garbage to get leaked out but it happens quite often it's, it's surprising that wizards keeps putting up with this I'm also curious, the sheets themselves are weird. Normally, if you see, like, a rare sheet or a mythic sheet, it's 
all the different cards in the set. This seems to be like a whole bunch of copies of a few specific cards. I wonder if it's like a promo sheet or something where they're trying to like, I don't know. It's got to be something different than the normal sheet. Or maybe like you said, maybe it's just a test sheet. Then this was never actually going to be used and they were just like seeing what it looked like or whatever. But definitely interesting to uh, to get an early sneak peek uh, at stuff. So should we be going to landfills more often? If you do have a landfill near <laughs> you that you can get into legally, what are your odds of actually finding something good or magic card that's got to be tiny right like there's no point in actually i would assume it's actually apparently high high. yeah (laughs) like maybe maybe not magic cards but i'm pretty sure people throw away stuff that's like highly usable and still perfectly fine all the time Uh, so when i lived in seattle this was a while ago but dumpster diving was all the rage where (laughs) so you know like the dumpsters behind restaurants super thrift shopping people people would like restaurants would throw away food there Right. And it's like perfectly fine food, but they just had to throw it away because it was the end of the day and people would go dumpster dive and there were apps and stuff to go find it. So I imagine this is just large scale dumpster diving where it's like, <laughs> oh, here, here's a pallet of PS5s that got damaged. Right. And then you, you go find them. So would I recommend this? Probably not. But could you actually find something? Is there not a TV show about this? This seems like this would be a good oh. TV show. Wow. Like, I was thinking, like, you know, before, people like raid storage lockers, like, you know, like, I think yeah. dumpsters oh. would have stuff too. Ooh, I actually kind of like that. I, w- I would watch a dumpster diving there, there show. There must be a show that <laughs> there, already There does is. This. I thought there was a TV show like that. Maybe there is, and I just haven't seen it. That's very possible. All right. So, uh, question related to all this stuff. Are we getting too many commander precons? Okay, here's a question. Is it possible to print too many commander precons? Because from these product announcements that we got with Lord of the Rings and Commander Masters, we're getting four or five commander precons per set. And then we're also getting it for all the special sets now, and we're getting it for the standard sets, the premier sets. Is is it just too much? Or can they print as many commander precons as possible and it's going to be fine? Because if you don't want it, you just ignore that one. Like, is there any concern that of just, like, overloading people with the amount of precons uh i mean i looked at it just like the way you kind of just mentioned it like at some point i do, i just stop paying attention as much and the ones that matter to me i'll actually pay attention to i mean i guess you got to do that if there's going to be like 40 precons a year it's going to be yeah it's going to be hard to pay attention to that many what do you think richard i know you've talked before about being a little frustrated sometimes by not knowing the cards that show up in a commander game like does having so many precons and choosing to not pay attention to all of them does that make that problem worse probably so that so it's it's slightly different so they can have many products but just the same x number of cards or they can have many products with more cards uh so the problem with too many products is it just causes confusion, right? It's like, imagine you go to a restaurant, they give you the menu and the menu is like 600 pages. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of choices there. Or like, what are my actual choices here, right? Like, what are the good ones? So when someone who doesn't know anything about Magic the Gathering tries to buy something about Magic, it's pretty hard because there's just so many products and the prices are all over the place. Uh, maybe you casually follow Magic. Uh, what, what do you buy? Right. Like if you let's say you played Magic five years ago and you just every year bought the the four set of commander precons and you and you come back, you wake up and you're like, okay, what do I buy now? It's like not clear which is the right product for you to buy. So that is complicated. Uh, Related to this was 
uh, there was a wizard survey where they're making a new booster box. And they, they oh. asked, like, what would you want this called? And it was something like gameplay booster box or like <laughs> iconic booster. It was like two words that had like no meaning whatsoever. <laughs> and you're like, how am I supposed to know what product this is? Like, what's a set booster? What's a collector booster? What's a draft booster? What are these like 60 pre-cons? Like, what am I supposed to buy? So I think that is the problem as opposed to, you know, our problem is like, oh, too many spoilers. Like, whatever. That's like a content creator problem, right? But for yeah. an actual consumer, it's like, what am I supposed to buy if I have 50 bucks and I like to play on Friday nights with my friends at home? Like, that, that I think, is confusing at this point. And I don't know yeah. why we need this many products. Like, do they actually sell more stuff? Or is it just continually diluting the same pool of wallets over more and more <laughs> products, right? So that, that one yeah. is a question mark as well. Yeah, I think there could be some uh, some decision paralysis or whatever where you're like, there's just so many options it overwhelms you and you choose to just like tune it out altogether. So I do think that's a, that's a risk. Although at the same time, like, I don't know, I guess if it's doing something for someone and everyone likes different, different commanders, different precons, maybe they, it ends up working out. I'm still not convinced that it makes more money though. Like you said, like, are they actually making more money by having all these products or are you just like diluting everyone's dollars through like a greater variety of these precon decks? I guess we don't know. I guess they must think they're making more money or why would they keep doing it? But uh, definitely something to keep track of. There's a lot of precons coming. So I think we're at the point where you just can't buy every precon anymore. You're going to be spending thousands of dollars a year on precon decks. So I guess you just got to learn to prioritize and pick the pick the ones that are look best to you or most important to you. We also yeah. got some we also got some battle news. We've been speculating a bit on the battle card type, which is coming in March of the Machine. Uh, and now we know battles, every single pack is going to have a battle. We might already know that. But the new news is they're double face cards. Does this change our speculation? Now that we know they're double-faced, do you have any any updated predictions on what these card types might actually be? Are they going to be like dungeons? Like, so they're uh, going to be actual cards that are in your deck because Atroxa okay. takes them from your deck. So they got to be oh, right, they got to be right, cards right. that you put in your deck. I would the double-faced card thing to me makes me think that it's. And it, we've kind of speculated that something you play and then somehow attack or something. I bet it's something that you play. And then once you attack it or its condition is met, then it flips around into something like the world enchantment thing we were talking about. Something that has this big static effect on the battlefield. The double face card thing kind of makes me lean even more in that direction that that would like intuitively make sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the front, si the front side is the battle, and whoever wins the battle gets the backside. Gets the which is gets the reward essentially. Something. The backside, yeah. I'm curious, like ha these cards have to be really good though in order for them to do like because like it's a it's going to be a do nothing, right? Unless I I'm curious how it's worded, right? Because will like will it actually be okay to have in my deck? Because it's going to feel really bad if it's like something where oh, if my opponent wins this battle before me and it is like okay so i'm giving you the chance of like beating me even harder here if i put this in my deck so yeah, that's that's a huge problem i think yeah that is a big scare for me but otherwise i mean maybe it's fine or maybe it works in a different way because a lot of the speculation when i've been like talking to people on stream and people are guessing 
a lot of it, when it comes down to it, they're really cool ideas, but it comes down to exactly what you said. The the final verdict is like, why would I put this in my deck if my opponent can benefit just as much from it? So there's got to be some way that wi wizards, they're very good at designing magic cards. They might not be good at keeping their cards out of dumpsters or all the other stuff, but they're very good at designing magic cards. So I'm sure they have figured out a way to, to crack this problem. But I do think if the it rewards both players equally, you got to find a way to to make the person who puts it in their deck benefit more, just like group hug cards in Commander or whatever. Like there's, there's gotta be a way that that happens. So, well, we'll know soon enough. March of the Machines is coming pretty soon. Richard, we also got a, a new secret layer drop, but this one is a bit of a twist. You can't order it through the secret layer website. Instead, this one is going to WPN stores. Uh, what are we getting in this new secret layer? And Krim, what do you think about this one? I know you like some of the unique <laughs> art styles, and uh, and it's a planeswalker theme, so it seems very creepy. Yes. But, uh, what, yes. what are we getting? So, Nicol Bolas, Dragon God, Sarkin, Dragon Soul, Soren, Imperious Bloodlord, Ugin, the Ineffable, in I guess the the all is one showcase like anime black and white style. Uh, so those four planeswalkers in a wpn exclusive secret layer what do you think i mean okay the, fine the, what do you think of nicol bolas <laughs> yes 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 let's talk about the important card here which is nicol bolas are, are these good the, is this is dragon god okay. good wait what, what's, what's I mean, the drag, ranking of nicol bolas's <laughs> like easy easy i, I think okay dragon god is number two right behind ravager uh, and then I like God Pharaoh after, but anyways, the, the, the artwork for this is apparently it's like a, what if timeline. So if you're a fan of Marvel, uh, it's the, what if timeline where if these planeswalkers were completed and, oh. uh, so that's the, the, I guess the, the thing behind the art here. So I really like it. I love the way these cards look like a, a, a completed Ugin and completed Soren, you know, Sarkon and Nicol Bolas. These all look so cool, but the like this the image for this Nicol Bolas surfaced not like a a little bit ago, and I thought uh, Nicol Bolas is coming back, completed. Uh, ooh. So I, having looked around on the internet in non-discreet places, have then made it lied to myself in thinking that oh is it possible. And I guess you know what it's, we're not going to rule it out because team ups in March of the Machines Ugin and Nicol Bolas yeah, obvious cool. right but. But yeah, like oh, that these, card would these, be so good. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, but yeah, like this, this just seems like a really, really cool like like artwork. I love everything about the these these black and white kind of uh, like what like completed looks to the planeswalkers. Like I love the way they looked in All Is One. So the the hilarious thing about this layer drop is I was reading through the cards. I was like, okay, Nicole is Dragon God. That's a pretty iconic Planeswalker. Sworn and Perry's Bloodlord, staple in vampire decks. Ugin the Ineffable, that's his play in like Tron style decks. Sarkin Dragon Sold. I didn't even know that was a card. It's a Planeswalker deck Planeswalker. It's like Corset 2019 Planeswalker yeah. deck Sarkin. <laughs> Like, so I why think this is, is it the first that time Sarkon? we've gotten, yeah, a Planeswalker deck Planeswalker being reprinted uh, in a secret layer drop? Hilariously, it's like 20 bucks, the original version, apparently, because no one apparently bought it and bought the Planeswalker deck at the time. So there's not many of them. So, value wise, it actually makes sense. Uh, how expensive do you think this will be? Remember when they did 
fetch lands as a WPN exclusive secret layer drop. And then the big complaint was how costly they were. It sounds like this is similar where they're like handing out a few copies to their uh, Wizards Play Network local game stores for free and like do what you want with them. Is this going to end up being like way more expensive than the like 30 bucks, 40 bucks we're used to when we buy them online? I, I think it'll still just be it'll be probably sitting around like 70 or something because it's just collectibles, okay. right? Collectability. Right? Like it's got to be. I, I assume that it's going to be more. I am. I was thinking it might even be more than that. Like I was thinking it might be 100 plus uh, at this point. <laughs> but. Maybe I mean, it's maybe nice for the I really yeah. like that nickel bolus for hundred bucks, like twenty five bucks a pop here. I, I do like that bolus. <laughs> Crim, Crim, crimson, crimson. Plus, you get a planeswalker deck, planeswalker. <laughs> Who wouldn't you want do. a Sark and Dragon Soul? <laughs> well, check with your LGS. It sounds like there's only a few copies being given out to uh, local game stores, so there might not be that many of them. Check with them if you're interested. See what they're they're selling them for and what the price is. But it's nice to see Wizards doing something for local game stores. I don't know if this undoes like selling so many cards through Amazon directly and all that stuff. I don't know if this saves local game stores, but it is, you know, a few hundred extra dollars or whatever that they're kind of just giving local game stores for free. The other news we got, it's Alchemy Spoiler Week. Uh, the format it still exists, kind of. My question for all of you is, did Wizards kind of stop caring about Alchemy? Like, we knew, we knew the new set was coming out, and I was expecting spoiler season, which they've done in the past. This time, no spoiler season. They just posted a video on their uh, on their YouTube spoiling essentially all the cards. I think there were two or three that were on one of their uh, Wizard streams. But no spoiler season. They just kind of dumped all the cards out there. Is this a sign that Wizards is caring less about alchemy or realizing that the community and uh, most of it doesn't care that much about alchemy? Or am I reading too much into that with how they spoil these cards? Uh, I mean, maybe like because it makes sense, right? Like, I, I mean, at this point now, I don't know if anyone is excited for alchemy. Maybe they just couldn't find anyone to preview them. Maybe they asked people and everyone's like, eh, no, thanks, anyway. <laughs> Tell um, me when March of the Machines comes out. We don't preview them, right? So we, we follow no. all the spoilers and we decided it's just not worth our time. Like, no one actually cares about them. Uh, it just clutters the website and everything. So we we basically pioneers in this. We did this before Watsy <laughs> did it. We just post, like, one article when all the cards are up. We're like, done, right? And that's what Wizards decided for this previous season. Uh, so I don't fault them for that. <laughs> the data is pretty clear. I'm just curious why Alchemy is still going. Like if no one really cares about it, right? Uh, why do you still have it? And then they're like, oh, but casuals. But I'm like, do casuals even know they're playing Alchemy? If you just swapped it with standard, <laughs> like are they even going to understand what's happening? <laughs> I probably don't, right? So well, might as well just get rid of it. Uh, but uh, they are they are watching, right? Like they they know that when alchemy cards go on Reddit, they don't do well, and people don't talk about them, and people don't care about them, so they're just minimizing that. But I don't know why they just don't take the step and just axe alchemy altogether. Probably it is there's funny. still a few cards are like still in design, right? That have already that, been. Oh, you designed. think this is like they were made a long time ago, and they're like we might as yeah. well just release them. Yeah, like may as well, right? Just keep pushing out whatever until it let it run its course. Kind of thing. 
Yeah, I guess that would make sense since they work so far ahead that if they're designing these cards alongside the main set, they were probably designed like a year or two ago. So maybe it is just like the rest of the cards filtering through the system or maybe somehow it's more profitable than we know, even though its play numbers aren't great. It is funny to see the reaction from the community like on Reddit or on Twitter. Normal spoilers, there's so much interaction. Everyone's talking about the cards, tons of upvotes or retweets. And then Alchemy like, there's just nothing like it, it shows up and there's a couple of comments and that's about it. So uh, even if like, even if wizards wants to keep the format going, it just seems like a big portion of the community really doesn't care at this point. It just kind of ignores it altogether. So eh, maybe Krim's right. And it's just the rest of the cards filtering through and it'll go away in the future, but definitely interesting to see wizards actually doing it. It's like, they're not trying to push it anymore in the way that they were in the past. Like before there were spoilers and like trying to really make this a thing. And now it kind of seems like they've even just thrown their hands up and like, whatever, <laughs> we'll just dump them all out there and be done with it. But Anyway, do we have any other topics? I feel like we hit on all of our topics. Richard, how's the fish mail looking? Do we have some fish mail this week? Let me go to the local dumpster and see if we have any fish mail. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MGFishmail. And we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, first up, uh, Jeffrey, David, I think both Seth and Richard are wrong on the command zone discourse uh, from the podcast. Uh, that it's changed a bit. So there are staff constantly circling to get you into a pod that matches the game you want without ticks or prize support. I was in the command zone until midnight Friday and Saturday and never waited more than a minute to for any games. As a non-content creator, that was not given uh, to me before. These people deserve to be paid for their work. If we can find a way to pay for them without charging an admission to the command zone, I'm all for it. But realistically, that means raising the price of a basic badge. Hmm. All right. So that is a very fair point. And I think that's something that's easy for me to overlook because uh, just because people know me from doing content, I usually uh, don't have any trouble getting in a game. But that's a fair point that they, I guess there is a service being offered if uh, they're doing kind of like matchmaking and making sure people are in pods. That's a that's an actually awesome service personally. And maybe I'm wrong here. I would rather see everyone pay $10 more on their ticket and have it just be a huge open play area than have everyone play $10 less and then charge for this exclusive area for commander play. There were some issues at Philly where people were either just going in for free or people were getting mad because they paid for the command zone and they weren't actually checking people's wristbands or whatever and just letting everyone in for peas. And they were like, why did I pay so much extra money if they're just going to let everyone in here anyway? And it just kind of like, I don't know, awkwardly segregates the community for no reason. Like, I don't know why we need to split the commander group into like two different sections when everyone's really just wants to play together, do the same thing. So I don't know. Am I wrong? Would you guys be fine with paying everyone paying 10 extra dollars if it was just a big open play area rather than saving 10 bucks and having like commander here and commander there and command zone over there and having it all split off like that? Uh, I, I do think that like having a dedicated zone is nice. I, I, I think my issues with this was like the badge price like already and then you, what you've paid and on top of that you have to pay an additional like 70 more or something like that uh, just to like like get in right to play commander yeah. so uh, like you you've already paid for the badge so there is that I, I, I personally feel like there should be a little bit more 
uh, you should be getting a little bit more for how much you paid. And I, I think one of the things I read at a point was a thread about someone who bought the VIP Black Lotus badge, and that felt even like a bigger loss of value uh, because there was no reason for it, right? They didn't get anything different, um, and... You know, it, it felt like the difference between the Black Lotus badge and the regular badge was the same. Uh, there, there weren't any differences. So, I don't know. Personally, I, I, I think right now, I like that there is a command zone. I like they're doing these, like, kind of matchmakings. Just like uh, like the, the person mentioned, you didn't have to wait long to get a game going, right? That was really cool. Uh, I just don't like the idea of the fact that, like, it costs so much, and then you have to pay another 75 on top of it. So that that's the main thing for me. Yeah, they they should just make it like Disney. You pay some insane amount that doesn't make any sense and then once you get there everything is free. Uh it feels really bad to pay a lot of money, get there and they're like, "Ah, oh, surprise. <laughs> you got to pay more money to use the command zone, right?" So they they should like Krim said, they should just keep the current badge price and that's more than enough. Like, I don't know what it's paying for, if not for the command zone. Like, you're coming here to play Magic, really, right? But barring that, if they want to charge more, they should just lump it into the main ticket price and make it very clear. This is a Magic convention. You come here, you can play Magic for free, right? You just got to pay this, like, really high price up front. Uh, so I, I think that's better than kind of nickel and diming everyone. Like, imagine if you went to the old GP system you paid money to play in the GP, and then you got up, and they're like, oh, wait, you got to pay more money to enter the main event. You're like, but what What did this ticket buy me if not <laughs> entry into the, the event, right? So, yeah, I, I think it's weird. Like, theoretically, yes, you have more options, and if you want to go there for the vendors but not to play Commander, you can save some money. But realistically, everyone just gets upset. So you should just give it, like, a one, one single price. Everyone come in. Everyone has access to the same things. And you don't need to sweat about it, right? Because realistically, you spend this money to buy tickets like six months in advance. So by the time you show up there, you're like, yes, everything is free. Let's go play. Let's have fun, right? But in this model, you're like, oh, no, I need even more money. I need to budget for events and stuff like that, right? So I I like to pay everything once and forget about it rather than the (laughs) pay every single time you got to do something. Yeah, I I would like that as well. Actually, if you just pay, I mean, it's already so. That's the only downside is like it's already pretty expensive to get a ticket. I don't know what the price would be if they actually made it all inclusive. Maybe it would be so high that it would just be a turn off to everyone. One thing they could do that I think would be interesting, and I don't know, maybe this is a bad idea, but it seems like Wizards has realized they can basically print money in the form of magic cards i was looking like at those secret lair promos that they gave away to tournament winners at magic con philly those cards are going for absurd amounts of money one of the ragavons which i believe was for top 16 uh sold for four thousand dollars there's a one of one brainstorm which i don't know if it's actually sold yet but i've seen people valuing it at like 20k plus what if for like the VIP thing, there was a exclusive VIP card for like the year of magic cons. Like if you buy the VIP, you're getting this card that doesn't go any place, doesn't go any place else. This is the only way you can get it is buying a VIP ticket. You would probably be able to sell that card to pay for your price of admission. Honestly, would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Like, do you think that would, that would give more value to the VIPs? Uh, would it hurt the economy too much? Would it make other people jealous? Because you're would not it... buying it for VIP access. You're buying it for the card. And then people that 
actually want slash need VIP can't get it. Right? Like, like gonna what, be capped, what, if, what yeah. if we just made MagicCon, you know, Philly cost a thousand dollars, but we give you like three thousand dollars of product with it. And like it'll sell it instantly, but then no one will be at the convention because everyone just bought it to flip, right? So I I think it's a weird way to conflate that, but I like that idea of somehow printing money to offset the cost. Like what if you just made a secret layer and took all the profits and you know used it to fund a, a discounted MagicCon? Like, oh, shocker, yeah. right? Like, what if we just did that? I, you know, like how we have like charity events and stuff like that where we donate to charity and things like that? Why don't we just do one of those but just give back to community and make MagicCon a celebration that's accessible by everyone and is, you know, like there, there are other ways to utilize your free money, right? So I think... If you do that, people would be very happy about it. Yeah, I think people would be down for that. We talked about that a long time ago for, like, organized play. Like, fund the pro tour with a secret layer drop. But the thing is, we already give Wizards so much money for secret layer drops. <laughs> like, we're kind of already doing that. They're just not putting the money into making cheap magic cons. They're putting it in their pockets or whatever, doing something else with it. So, I don't know. Do you think it'd be successful? Would, yes. like, if you're watching this somewhere with comments, yes. if there was an exclusive secret layer drop... That would explicitly go to fund like a super cheap. Everyone gets the command zone. Everyone does everything. Magic con. Would you buy it? Would you? Would you be down for that? I don't. So I don't know if Dota I mean, still does this, but they used to do it where they would release some stuff, and they're like, the money for this exclusive thing goes to the the prize structure of worlds, and ooh. people would spend crazy amounts of money because they love the game and they support it. And then this is how you ended up with like crazy prize pools, like people have money and they're willing so if you said like this secret layer we're gonna take you know 80 percent of the the profits 20 percent for operations or whatever 80 percent and it will either fund pro play like the next world's prize pool will be based on this or we will you know set up the next year of magic cons at you know a reasonable price i'm sure people would come out and buy like crazy amounts of product uh just to support it um but I don't know why Wizards doesn't do it. Like, I, I think the Dota TI or whatever uh, shows that people are willing to spend lots of money. And then you can actually, like, crowdfund, like, crazy prize pools. And it doesn't cost you really anything, right? You just needed to make some secret layers. So I would actually yeah. see either that for the Pro Tour or Magicon. I think Magicon is easier sell because Wizards knows those are popular rather than trying to revive Pro Magic. <laughs> but, you know, just, just imagine a Magicon that's you paid 20 bucks and you went there. And got to play like 20 bucks for each day. So like maybe like 60 bucks for the weekend, maybe a hundred bucks for the weekend. And it would actually be a celebration of magic. Everyone would be happy there instead of like, oh, I paid $400 for my VIP thing. And I opened this booster and got nothing. And I'm very upset. And I got to pay $20 for a Coca-Cola, right? Like imagine if everyone came and was happy. And I think <laughs> Wizards could do that with a, with a secret layer offset. Just take, like it, it can't be, how much do you think it costs to run a magic on? How many millions? Even a million? Oh, I would guess not. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they can make a million. a million in a snap by by selling a secret layer. Like, not even close, right? So they could easily do this. Oh, they should, too. Even if it was one Magic Con a year, do, do Vegas. Do, do one a year where everyone gets to go at a cheap price, is supported by the community, make it a huge event. That would be sweet. I, would, I don't buy secret layers. I would buy a secret layer just to support the cause in that case, I think. 
I mean, yeah, like I the only thing is like the optics of like it looking like you're selling a product as opposed to like, you know, it's like buy the because it, it, like Richard mentioned earlier, it could look like buy this product and you can get access to this event. Right. Because I think kinda, it's it's almost got to be like Kickstarter where yeah. you can actually see like how much money is being raised by the community. It would almost have to be set up like that, I think, for it to really feel good for me. But. Yeah, that seems doable. Like you'd be able to do that, I think, and just see. And then the community could coalesce around it and be proud of like how much money we raised to throw this awesome event. But all right, uh, MTG home rule. Will Richard ever stream? I would sub to watch <laughs> the Codfather Jam Moto Leagues. God no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I play. I play so slow. And if you want to watch me stream and you want me to talk, I'm like I'll play even slower. Uh, I've been jamming oh, standard. Man. So I, okay, I used to play Mono Snap White. while playing Moto, right? Because, you know, people like are super slow and stuff. So I'd be playing Snap at the same time. But since, uh, you know, this set, like every game goes to time. Like like the match goes down to time. I'm like, you know, I, I as soon as I see my opponent playing slow, I know they're done for. Like I, I yeah. just side in like more board wipes. So I'm like, there's no way you can finish this because you're playing too slow. It's so grindy and slow that... You don't want to watch me playing this, and you would you would cause me to lose every game as I try to talk to people. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, what have you been playing in standard? Mono white still. Mono white, mono white yeah. is so good. Uh, the the only problem is it just takes too long. It, it feels like Nefalia drowning your control, even though it's not. <laughs> you know, I have actual win cons and stuff, but. It's just really, oh, I'm going to outlast Richard? you and like grind you into the ground. And it just takes a really long time to do that. No matter how fast you play or, you know, no matter how advantaged you are, it just takes forever. Uh, I've tried playing like aggro, but I'm like, this, this is, this is nonsense. We can't do this. So we got to play slow grinding I mean, mid range where every, every match takes an hour. Like the, the, the only hope is to win 2-0. If it's a 2-1, like it's going to be an hour. <laughs> Both players will be out of time. It's like that's I don't love it's really just anymore. standard though. Yeah. I think it's really just standard. Like every deck, every good deck is like that. Like I have seen more mono red lately, even though I still every time someone plays it, they just kind of laugh. I'm like, really? Like in a world <laughs> with a Troxa and Obliterator and like all these cards, like really you're gonna try to get there with mono red, but just must be dailies for someone. <laughs> yeah, I mean the dailies in. <laughs> I, I, I specifically just get steamrolled by the aggro decks because I have zero respect for aggro, right? Like, so, like, it's just, like... I'm the same way, yep. I, I'm just, like, oh, my God, they uh they got me good. I can't beat the soldiers deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah someone but, leads on, like, Phoenix Chick on turn one, and I just scoop. I'm like, no, yeah. like, there's no there's no way I'm ever beating that. This person has me dead. I, I can't beat this person. I have the optics for you, so I'm like, oh, it's so scary. It's aggro. I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's not Wanderer. <laughs> no, it's not. I'll use, like, three removal spells on turn four to wipe your board. <laughs> I'm like, this is why you can't play aggro. It doesn't get anywhere. It's pretty hard. Uh, okay. Uh, real tap water. This is an interesting uh, scenario here. Would either of these things too crazy or unlikely to be in Lord of the Rings set? Legendary dual lands i.e. the Shire Legendary Forest Plains, or partners with the creature type Gimli that partners with an elf, Legolas with a, with a dwarf, would you be excited or scared? Oh. So, 
people are asking me about fetch lands in the Lord of the Rings set, and I think my same answer uh, applies to the legendary duels. Wizards save stuff like that for sets that they're afraid aren't going to sell well, and I think that they're going to view Lord of the Rings as an easy home run just because of the IP. Like, it's going to be a home run because it's Lord of the Rings, and it's got Lord of the Rings fans that are going to buy it. So I would be surprised if they wasted, quote-unquote, something like Legendary Duel Lands in a set that they're already expecting to sell really well. So I'm not expecting, I think we will get those eventually, but I think it'll be like some standard set where they don't know if it's going to sell good enough and they're a little nervous, like kind of how they super juice Kamigawa in Kamigawa because they were nervous about how good Kamigawa was going to be. So like put in the channel lands and all these really strong cards and ended up being really good. Partner with a creature type, ah, maybe it could work in small doses, but partner just scares me in general like partner with a specific other partner has been fine i'm afraid that a creature type is too broad though like if you could partner a creature with any any legend of a creature type that might be that might be too close to the original partners which i think were a negative like they were just too flexible but i don't know do you think that's enough of a restriction is like a creature type enough to keep it from being broken like the original partners I mean, like, every time, like, Vampire can only, vi- like, partner up with Vampire or something, or, like, so, like Merfolk and Merfolk, or are we talking about, like, subtypes? So you'd have, like, a legendary creature, and it would be partner with Merfolk, and you could play okay. it in any other legendary Merfolk as your commanders, or any other legendary Vampire, whatever. Yeah, I think that's what they were going for. I mean, isn't that already what's happening in March of the Machines, kind of, like, what they're doing, <laughs> except it's not your commander? But they are just smashing two things together, right? We have Thalia riding the Gitrog, so, I mean... Isn't that isn't that their way of getting around partner? Because like having both of those in the command zone, I think is the problem, right? Two separate commanders, meaning with two separate commander taxes, uh, like that's that's kind of the problem, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so so part of this partner with is like flexibility in deck design, like as as a casual person, you're like, oh, I want to play both dwarves and elves. Um, and if the team-up card doesn't exist for that, then you can't do it. And the current rules don't allow for this. So in that sense, I can see where this is coming from. But partners, like Krim said, has some inherent power. You get like two cards, two different taxes. You get to smooth out your curve and whatnot. And you know, partners are just generally broken. So uh, I don't know. It seems too complicated for them to do this. I, I could see the legendary dual lands. I, I disagree with Seth. I, I mean... So I think Wizards believes Lord of the Rings will sell due to IP, but I think it's a lot weaker than you're stating, Seth. And I think they will have to put in really good cards to justify that price. Because this is not just a random set, right? It's a set that is meant to go into modern. So it has to have the power level there, and it has to somehow justify you spending $180. And uh, I like this thought where they'll use the lore aspect to make some random reason to like introduce legendary duels, right? Like, Oh, it's like the Shire. It's clearly legendary uh, where they can't do that normally. And, and I think it's too early for legendary duels though. I think uh, we're not there yet, but I do imagine some crazy stuff in this set. I don't think it's going to be vanilla cards and then just Lord of the Rings selling it. We should put a poll up. Do people even like Lord of the Rings? I feel I, I assumed magic players would just like Lord of the Rings, but most people seem to poo-poo it, right? Like I, I don't know why. So I'm like, do people even like Lord of the Rings? Like, is this a I, thing? 
I think the answer I've found is that yes, they do. (laughs) Yeah, it is insanely popular. It's not like to lightly put it. Yes, they do. They exist, but I don't know where they are. Whenever I tweet mean things about it, I get yelled at a lot. So I'm assuming that there must be there must be some people that like it because the response is never good. I will say, with I, I doubt though, Lord ah. of the Rings is like a vocal minority. I think that is a, yeah. a very much a vocal majority. The other thing to consider with the land thing is, oh, could you imagine if they printed legendary duels or some really hype new cycle, but it was stuck with Lord of the Ring names, so they would never be able to reprint them because they'd be like, oh, it's got the flavor of Lord of the Rings. We can never reprint that again. Like, ah, oh, that would be bad too, right? Yeah, but then they'll be like, oh, but we can always make the magic version of them. And here yeah. they are after the fact, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I, guess I mean, or true. they're going to tap with that FOMO. Like, oh, you'll never be able to buy them again. Better better buy yeah, out now. this. <laughs> better buy out this Lord <laughs> of the Rings set to pump our numbers after these bad earnings, right? Like, That could be a good thing. Yeah, like that they are legendary and can't reprint the FOMO on that. Yeah, that, that FOMO is a selling point, right? And I, I, I don't think any company is above not like using it as a, a marketing tool. Yeah. Definitely not. Definitely not wizards. That's for sure. All right. So thank you to everyone who sent in questions this week. If you have future questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 422 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard Crab, thanks for hanging out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a lovely week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. Yeah.